welcome to our first ever podcast here in Skullbergasida. My name is Hazel Ambrose. My name is Aideen Shanahan. And my name is Emer Dorr. Today we are delighted to welcome our first guest, Independent TD, Mr. Michael Healy Ray. So our first question is, if you had to live in any other county other than Kerry, what county would it be and why? Okay. Um, I suppose Clare, I went to school in Clare for, um, uh, I went to Pellisquinery for um, for a year. And when I was there in Limerick, I met an awful lot of people from Clare who were in my class. And I, I like the county. The people that were from there were very nice. And it was because of my time in the college in Limerick uh, that I got to like the people from Clare a lot. And so... But look, Galway is very nice uh, all up along the West Coast. I mean, Ireland is such a good place. Any part of it you live in would be good, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, so that's a sort of a very loaded question. So I, the number one place I'd jump to would be anywhere along the West Coast. Yeah. Is there anyone that you worked with who is memorable for good or bad reasons? Well, you see, in, in the job that I do in politics, everybody gets to see that side of it. But outside of politics, uh, we'll say before I ever went at politics, what I do in the real world, as we'll call it, is machinery. So my job was a digger driver and uh, drive all types of machinery and that. And in the course of that work for many, many years, I met an awful lot of people. I would have been working, we'll say, first of all, with farmers in forestries, um, in building sites making roads, you know, doing all that sort of work. And you'd meet very, very nice people. But then, as we'll call it, you know, as you'd say, famous people type of a thing, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, you would have all heard of Brendan Grace, right? Yeah. Brendan Grace was a very, very nice man. Great comedian. What I liked about Brendan Grace, he could put everybody laughing and he didn't have to use bad language. He'd, he'd let you actually think of the bad language in your own head. He'd be telling a joke. He, it'd be what the words he wouldn't say that you would have to imagine what he was thinking and you would have to say it in your own mind. And he was very interesting because of that. He didn't have to stand up on a stage and be effing and blinding and, you know, he didn't have to be rude or anything to be really, really funny. And um, so I liked him a lot. And actually the day he died, I was speaking to him that morning on the phone from where I am right now. I was here in my office and um, he was in hospital in Galway and we had a nice conversation that morning on the phone and uh, he passed away sadly that evening and I was at his funeral and all of that but um, he, he, his funeral was here in the Liberties in Dublin and we'll be talking about nice people in nice places uh, he went back to where he came from to have his funeral and uh, the people there were terrible terrible nice also so look people are funny if, if you're nice to people, people will be nice to you. He was a very memorable person to me. He entertained thousands and thousands of people all over the world. And, uh, you know, he did so with a big smile on his face. And, you know, even when people think of his name now, they laugh. And they say, oh, Brendan Grace, yeah, great, great, great man, great family, great character. And uh, he'll be remembered forever and ever and ever so. I, I, I've met so many nice people along the way. It's hard to you know, go picky anybody in particular, but um, the one thing I like about my job is that I do get to meet an awful lot of people, including the three of yourselves today. <laughs> By the way, I never thanked you. It's a privilege to be on your podcast, and I appreciate that you thought of asking me. I appreciate that. Oh, well, and thank thanks you. be to God, the alarm or whatever it was was going off here in the background. By the way, if you can see a building there behind you, 
that's actually government buildings. All right. That's, uh, if we look, I don't know, can I show you this? If we look out that window there, that's actually the Taoiseach's office there. Oh, the back. <laughs> yeah, so I can wave out the window to me if I like. Yeah. <laughs> now. The next question then is, if you weren't a politician, what do you think you would be? Probably what we were talking about a while ago. I'd be like, I'm still involved in machinery. Like I still have machines out working every day. So I'm still involved in that. My sons and things are working on it. And, um, but like, I, I really like driving machinery and operating machinery, but I'd be happy at anything I'd be at, you know? I, like I, 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 I'm a farm, I, I have a shop. So I'd, I'd work at anything. And like the one thing I like is I like working. I like doing things. I like I like being busy. So um, my idea of a holiday is if I don't have a suit on me and if I have my old clothes on me and if I'm just doing the ordinary jobs, you know, like I, 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 I'd be quite happy at anything really and once I'm kept busy. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you give any student that wants to go into politics? Well, first of all, I, I go to a lot of schools. I talk to a lot of students and I want you to take this very seriously now and any students that will be watching it afterwards. Please don't think that politics belongs to somebody else. In other words, that, oh, well, you know, like we'll just say if you were in Kerry now, or that you have to be a Healy Ray or you have to be somebody like that to be in politics. That's all in nonsense. We'll say three V. If any one of you wanted to be a politician, like you can do anything you want, right? But you might say, how would you start? I'll tell you how you'd start. You have to be interested in people. You have to be more interested in other people than you are in yourself. You have to be involved in your community. It can start, like if you look at any politicians, how did they start? Many of them were teachers. Many of them were involved in the local GA, the local tidy towns, the local Kyoltas. Do you know, uh, the, the act of retired helping them. It could be any voluntary community efforts involved in your locality. If you like that type of interaction with people, like you have the makings of a politician. Uh, you can't be worried about yourself or your time because you have to be willing to be giving of your time. In other words, like, did you know the way you'd often hear politicians saying, oh, well, I sacrificed a lot for politics and all this nonsense. Like the way I look in that, and when I say nonsense, I think it's nonsense because when I got involved in politics, yes, I had a young family at that time, but my attitude was, I was going to be a politician and I'm not one of these people that try to make myself out to be something that I'm not. So when it came to making a decision, if there was a meeting I had to go to or if there was some family event, I have no denying in the world, I went to the political event. And they, like it wasn't a case of all oh, family first. It was a case of my politics, the constituency of Kerry. At the time, I would have been working for my father. He was a TD and I was helping him. And I was also a county councillor myself. And my job was to watch his back when he was in Dublin and uh, do all the constituency things that needed to be done. So if you're willing to do that and make those type of, I don't even want to call them sacrifices, but if you want to have that way of life, do it. If you don't want that way of life, don't do it. And if you're precious about your time or about that, or you need to be off or you need to be this or you need to be here or there, if you need to be here or there, go away to here or there and don't think about politics. But if you're interested in politics and if you're willing to give it 110%, well, then off with you. But just always remember, any one of you 
like you can be in the council, you could be in the Dal, you could be in the Shannad, you could finish up running the country, but like you just need to want it yourself, first of all. Yeah. What would you say are the pros and cons of being an independent party? Okay, well, when you're independent, you're not tied by what we call the whip. In other words, if there's a vote tonight, which there will be, I can vote whatever way I like. I can be for it, against it. I can abstain, although I consider abstaining a bad policy because you should be either for something or against it. You know, you're you're sort of sitting on the ditch if you're not doing one thing or another. So you have the advantage that you have freedom. You have the freedom to use your own mind to make up your decision as to what's best for the people that you elected you. Because always remember, remember, a TD means Chaktadala. Chaktadala means messenger of the people. So the way I look at my job is that I'm a servant of the people, right? The people are here and I'm here. My job is to work for those people. That's it. Simple as that. And just to let you know, those bills now that are going, they're bills saying that the dollar is starting again, but I don't have to win right now because I don't have a speaking time right now. But like there's a monitor here, so you can hear and see everything that's going on in the chamber. So times when you would hear people saying, oh, there's no one inside in the doll. They're not because they're inside in an office. Maybe like I am now, but everything is on monitors. And no matter where you go in the building, you hear all these bells. So, and the bells are all different. If there's a vote, it's a different bell. If there's a break, there's a different bell. But you get used to all those. What's life like in the doll? Can you describe for us what a day in the doll would be like? Well, I, what you're doing is you're utilizing your time all the time. Like when I said I do this with E, my attitude was I should be out of it at the latest, five past or 10 past three, because I have a meet, meeting, a briefing. So like you're being lobbied all the time, you know, there's different groups coming. Like it could be people about the 9% retention of that rate. It could be people, you know, from all different walks and uh, you know, sectors of society. Um, they come to Dublin to lobby their politicians. Then you have committees uh, who deal with legislation, who deal with you know, the issues that are discussed afterwards in the doll. So it's a very, it's a very engaging type of a day, if you know what I mean. And there's a lot involved in it, but it's a privilege to be at it because it's very interesting. It can be very exciting. There's times it can be very tedious. In other words, you know, a meeting that should take half an hour and takes two and a half hours, but like you have to do it and you, you know, you might have the bits of nails, you would have bitten off you and if you had hair, you might have the hair pulled out of your head with the height of frustration, but like you just have to get on with it and like I enjoy it. So if you enjoy what you're doing, it's not like working at all. And the one thing that I don't give in to is people that say, oh, it's a very difficult life. Sure, everybody's job is difficult. Your teachers that are there with you today, they have a lot of responsibility. They have a lot of problems in their heads. They're worried about you as students. They're worried about your results. They're worried about your futures. So like everybody, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a council worker, whether you're a forestry worker, whether you work in the local centre or spa, everybody's job has its difficulties. Everybody's you know, life has ups and downs. So a TD is, is the same thing. And one thing about politics, always and don't ever underestimate the work that county councillors do, because they do great work as well in a community. And it's a privilege and an honour for somebody to be elected to their local authority, because you're being elected by the people in your community to represent them on the local authority. So I think that's important as well. Yeah. What has been the most rewarding day in your job? Any standout memorable moments? Well, I, I, the way I'd answer that is when you have a success, right? 
for instance, if you were lobbying for something, if you were trying to achieve something, whether it was money for your county, whether it was money for housing, for roads, for greenways, for bypasses, uh, for all the different things that you need in a county. It could be a, a sewerage scheme that you were lobbying for money for and it was going to cost two and a half million and all of a sudden you got the two and a half million. You'd be delighted. So it's like a football game. You have, you have wins and you have losses and there's times things go right and there's times things, things go wrong. And so that's it. like every you know, walk of life, you have good days and bad days. What? is your favorite memory from your school days well okay my school days what, what can i ask you a question now what's your age group now what what ages have you transition year so we're like yeah, 15 16 15 16 well put this in context now up until when i was about 12 right i couldn't read and i couldn't write and when i say i couldn't read or write i don't mean oh i wasn't good at it i mean like i could not um I could not, will you take that? I couldn't, answer, like I couldn't read a sign, we'll say the bar at home. My father's name was up over the bar and I couldn't read it. It was completely gobbledygook to me. I couldn't write my name. I couldn't sign my name. So all the reading and writing, everything that had gone on in school up until that age, it meant nothing to me. And um, at that time, what actually was wrong with me was I was profoundly dyslexic, but there was no such thing as diagnosing a person like that. At that time, it was a case of, oh, you weren't as good as everybody else. So that was it. Now, I just got on with it. But what happened was I was taken to a nun, a very nice, kind, mercy nun, Sister Regina. And uh, Sister Regina started teaching me. And uh, she kept at it and at it. And uh, thankfully, one of the first days, she was questioning me an awful lot, getting to know me. And one of the first things she said to me after maybe the first day or two days, she said, well, you'll be glad to know you have a brain, she said. But it's just a matter of trying to open up all the locks that are in it. And then she said, we'll see what you have, but you'll be surprised at what you have. So when I meet parents of children who are dyslexic or profoundly dyslexic, I actually believe that... Um, people who have dyslexia and other learning difficulties and disorders. And I'd like for you to tell this to people that you know that have, we'll call it difficulties like that, just because your head doesn't work in a normal way. way. Your head might work very well in a different way. And just because you mightn't appear, uh, we'll say, as bright as everybody else in a classroom, that doesn't mean to say that there's anything profoundly wrong with your head. And that doesn't mean to say that you'll get on good in life. Because uh, I know people, like, I got over the reading and writing, and I got to be able to read, and I got to be able to write, and I love reading now as much as I can, as much as I have time for, and um, my writing is le legible to everybody, uh, so I, I'm, I'm grateful that I got the chance. Now, other people didn't, and I would know plenty of people that I represent who can't read or write, and it is a big, it is a big hole back. Right, and there's no getting away from that. But um, but I would like to think that that's getting less and less. In other words, that uh, the services are there, the early intervention is there, and people get help now that they need, but they get it on time. They're not waiting until they're 12 to, to be able to read and write. So, so but like outside of that, uh, my memories, I leave you with a memory about school that is unusual and that you'll never hear anybody else telling you. Because if this was to happen today, like people would be arrested and your teachers will be interested <laughs> in this. Our principal 
God be good to him. And again, there was nothing wrong with this, nothing in the world wrong with it, because at the time it would have been classified as perfectly normal behavior. He had a field out the back of the school and he was a farmer and he had sheep out there. And when the sheep would be lambing, uh, there'd be gray crows. And if it would have lambed, there'd be anything wrong with it. The gray crows would come down and they'd pick out the eyes of the lamb or if there was a sheep that was thrown down lame or something. So he hated gray crows. Now, the one way you would get rid of grey crows is if we shot a grey crow and tied them up in a tree, it could frighten the grey crows. He used to bring the shotgun into school and we were upstairs and he'd take aim out the back of the school window and he'd shoot a grey crow while standing inside in the school room. Now, you might think, oh my God, like that was madness, but it's not because of the simple fact that at the time there was no notice taken of it. And uh, like as a student, you could be put cleaning the gun. So... Uh, that type of thing was was an unusual memory, but it, those type of things happened in that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, you spoke brilliantly on the Late Late Show about bullying. Have you any messages for young listeners about that topic? I do. It's a thing I feel very, very strongly about. Like, I would hate to think of young people, we'll say, be they young boys or young girls, that would get upset by what somebody else would be saying about them. Because... Like we'll say you're at the age now, we'll say you're, we'll call it young adults and, you know, you'll be growing up and entering into relationships and all that sort of thing. And, and like, don't get me wrong, he'll have ups, he'll have downs, he'll have good days, he'll have bad days. There'll be people that he might be big friends with, people that he might fall out with. That's life. But one thing that I think is horrible is why people would go commenting about somebody else and putting nasty things on Facebook about them or, you know, in some using social media in any way like that. I think it's wrong. I think one day you, way you could stamp out a lot of it is by making people identify themselves. Like if I'm going to say something about somebody, I believe my, my details should be readily available to be seen along with what I'm saying. Because like, and I really believe this, that you have people who, you know, give an awful lot of time thinking how much they hate somebody and they actually don't know the person at all like for instance in what i do in the work i do i know that there's an awful lot of people that uh, might not particularly be too fond of me right but like that doesn't bother me i don't give a damn about them and i really don't give a damn about them and they can say whatever they like and it makes no difference in the world to me but if you're a young person who's growing up and who's going through the different changes in life and all that sort of thing. And and if there's somebody saying something nasty or peeking on you or bullying you, it might upset you a lot. And it might upset a younger person in a way that it wouldn't upset a person like me. So like, I don't believe that anybody should be bullied no matter what their age. But when it comes to the likes of me or your teachers, I, I, I wouldn't be as worried about us as I would be about younger people. And it's like, when you will be the new adults of the future, I wouldn't be as worried about you because you will be toughened into the ways of the world. But like, what really upsets me is when I hear of of youngsters uh, that are being bullied or that are having a harder, nasty time. Oh my God, it it really makes me very, very cross. And um, like, you know, I, I know what it's like to have people that wouldn't be nice to you when you're younger. But then equally, I know what it's like to people who would be so nice to you when you were younger. I, I, I told you already that I gave a year in agricultural college in Palestine. And I thought it was one of the best years of my life. I, I really loved everybody that I knew there. There was Salesian brothers. They were in charge. 
the, the other teachers, what we call the lay teachers, the students, everybody that I met there, it was all of the people working in the catering that fed us. Everybody was so nice and I really enjoyed it. And we had no internet. We had no mobile phones. We had nothing that time. But by God, we had a great time without it. So from your point of view, yes, this 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 phone that you have in your pocket, right? This computer, this thing that can do everything for you, it might be an advantage, but I have to admit it's a bit of a disadvantage as well yeah, because yeah. the world got on fine without mobile phones, you know. Yeah. yeah. We just one last question then before we let you go. Do you think Kerry will win the All Ireland again this year? I always think Kerry will win because <laughs> I'm an I'm an optimist, and uh, we've had great players in Kerry. Um, we'll say since back when I can remember in the 1970s, and uh, we've had great teams who have shown great leadership. And um, but then on on a on a more broad-minded note than that, we're very fortunate in Ireland that whether you're Limerick, whether you're Clare, no matter which one of the counties you are, each county has great people. They have great role models, and it's good to see people involved in sports. Yeah. And could I just give one final bit of advice to yourselves? and to your fellow students. Yeah. Even awful lot going for it in that you know, the standards in the world have gone up an awful lot. If you were to listen to all the politicians, uh, ones that are critical, they'd be saying, oh, this is wrong and that is wrong. Like the school buildings, for instance, of today are so much better than what they were in the past. The technology that we were just speaking about is enormous. You have everything at your fingertips if you want it. There is great work opportunities for you there. But the only thing I'd ask you to do is to use the time valuably. Just remember, this is not a practice run. If you will start at zero and live to be 100, right? That's about as good as it gets. Well, I had a friend, he died last year now. He was 108. He was driving until he was 104. I used to ring him from here to see was he all right. And we used to have mighty conversations late at night and he 108, like. But um, he told me not too long before he died like that. All right, it is time, you know, that I was going now, he said soon, you know, because he made out he had enough of it at 108. But, but my point is, that use your time productively. And like, it isn't all about work, you know, like, but just enjoy yourselves, have a good time and go hard at it. Because this is one, it's your life, it's your chance, it's your time. You can make as much or make as little as you want, but just, and of course, the big thing that I'd hope for you all, and I really, really mean this, is I hope you're all lucky, because look has a lot to do with it as well. I hope I haven't gone on too long now with my answers. No, no, we're no, finished no. now, yeah. Well, Michael, we just want to say thank you so much for such a great interview and all your advice. We really, really appreciate it. No problem, problem. Here's Lady and Emer, all the uh, Aideen, all the best to all of you. All right. Thanks very Thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.